Kia ora, I'm Stephen Moe. I'm a director and impact lawyer. You're listening to Board Matters. In this series, I speak to top New Zealand directors who I met on the Advanced Directors course run by the Institute of Directors. My guests share their unique perspectives on governance and what they've learned along the way. We start with the question, what would the title of your book on governance be and why? Well, it's a pleasure to welcome Jonathan Mason, who's a chartered fellow of the IOD, and he's on a wide variety of boards, including for-profit and not-for-profit, and those include Air New Zealand, and he's the chair of Vector. Thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Stephen. I'm really looking forward to this conversation because you and I just attended a course which was put on by the IOD, and the opening question got us all thinking. And that was, what would the title of the book on governance be if you were the author? So I am curious, in your case, what was the title? I put down value creation and governance. I wouldn't call that an extremely catchy title, but it's certainly something I try to focus on being a director. Oh, that's great. Yeah, value creation. I like it already. What would be some of the headings or the chapters or the content that would get behind that title? Managing risk, creating profitable growth, effective oversight of cash flow, effectively managing cybersecurity in the 21st century, how boards dealt with the pandemic, how boards now have to deal with inflation. Those could be some of the titles. But Yeah, well, it sounds like quite a diverse book. And is there like yeah. a, a principle that underlies your approach to your directorships? I have a finance background, so there's a heavy emphasis on keeping the financials of the organizations in a sound state. The principles are the same for nonprofit boards, but on for for-profit boards, there's still, in my view, a special place to protect the shareholder. But as a director acting in the interest of the company, there's a wider view of identifying key stakeholders as well, and also understanding their interests in making decisions. So, but still, I I still think there's a special emphasis and for-profit on the shareholder. This is becoming quite a topical issue because you have Mm -hmm. the the conceptions that people often point to Milton Friedman and talking Mm -hmm. about shareholder returns. But increasingly, and also sparked by the IOD's paper last year on stakeholder governance, it's something yeah. that people are considering a lot more now. Is that something mm-hmm. you're noticing? So look, the, the whole uh, shareholder versus stakeholder governance, and as you've outlined, there's been some arguments historically to just look at shareholders. And if you please and satisfy shareholders, your obligations as a director are sort of finished. What I'd say in New Zealand, and it predates, the um, IOD stance on emphasizing stakeholder governance, and even internationally, say the US Business Roundtable's um, similar statement, is that New Zealand firms operate often sort of a license, they have a license to operate. What that means is you ignore, while you emphasize shareholders, you ignore stakeholders at your own risk to medium, long-term, uh, shareholder value. An, an example, a company I worked for, uh, Fonterra, uh, was formed through an act of parliament, and it can be undone by an act of parliament. And so if you overlook your obligations to the country 
as an executive at Fonterra and act purely in the interests of the farmers, that will can be an effective short-term strategy, but will ultimately lead to uh, or risk shareholder value destruction in the medium to long term. Yeah, I think you raised some good points there. And, and this is actually a topic we could probably riff off of for an hour or more because yeah. it's such yeah. a fascinating area that it is developing. And I'll just point yeah. to two things that I've seen. The first is um, Duncan Webb's proposals for changing Section 131 of the Companies Act. As a lawyer, that interests me because he's um, proposing that there will be that directors may consider And then there's a list of additional things beyond Mm. best interests of the company. And then the second thing that I'm noticing is there's just a real increase in climate-related discussions. I know that XRB is about to come out with some climate-related disclosures, which will be required from 2023. So I think this is going to be even increasingly in directors' remit, Mm -hmm. thinking about Mm -hmm. what's the long-term impact of what Mm -hmm. our company does. By the way, in the long term, if shareholder interests and these broader interests, whether it be ESG or different stakeholders, if they don't converge, that's a real issue. You don't really act without still the long-term shareholder interest being paramount. And the the big, you know, the example I come to there is on ESG, if you're not thinking about ESG and you're not having effective plans to combat, identify and combat the risk, mitigate the risks on ESG, you're not acting in the long-term interest of shareholders. So I think there should be a convergence in the long-term. Yeah, well, I like that emphasis that you're bringing to it as well, because the way that you positioned yourself focusing on financial returns, some people might say, well, that means that he's looking at the next quarterly profit report, you know, or Mm -hmm. maybe one year out. But actually, there is this balancing, isn't there, between the much longer term perspective and yeah. the short term. You've got to keep both in mind. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, to give an example, Air New Zealand has a carbon footprint right now, but we're trying to be one of the leading airlines in looking for carbon-free solutions. And the, the directors want to leave a better world to our grandchildren. But there's also a very practical reason why we look at that, which is if we don't over the medium to long term, there's a risk that people stop flying because of the fear, um, sort of what there's a European term for it, even flight shaming It's sort of I I, want to decrease my carbon footprint. And so I'm not going to fly. So going to electric airplanes, going to sustainable aviation fuel isn't just a moral imperative. It's actually important for our business as well. Mm, that's really interesting. Yeah, thank you for sharing that because I think you're right. That is the future focus, isn't it? That's the lens yeah. of looking yeah. to the future and also identifying the trends that impact your business today. Um, because yeah. I think with the pandemic, the reality is a lot of people have reconsidered why they were traveling in the first place. If they can do, yeah. you know, we're, we're doing this call, you're in America, I'm in Christchurch, New Zealand. And here we are having a conversation. So I think a lot of businesses are questioning, why did we send people on all these long overseas trips, yeah. which ultimately, at, at least at the moment, is not great for the planet. So I think there's going to be a lot more emphasis on that going forward. 
Well, can I ask you a question then? At the end of the course, we were asked, has the title of the book changed? Did you find that any content or anything in the course affected what you thought or the title that you had? No, I, I mean, I'd say I, I still thought about that as a core part of my focus of being an effective director. But what I certainly did get out of the course is the variety of views and opinions and how different directors approach problems. And that was certainly aided by some very good case studies that triggered rich discussion and different opinions. Mm. So I came out with um, more of an appreciation for why it's important to have cultural sensitivity and integrate Toreo principles into the course. We had some very good case studies on uh, how you can integrate different Maori principles and the difficulties, the, the challenges, the gray areas in governance where a good case study doesn't just bring up open and shut issues. It brings up sort of the paradox of decision-making, I call it, is when you do one decision, you create a risk in another area. So you have to think through very carefully in what decisions you um, actually have to make. Yeah. I think you're right. The case studies that are the best are the ones that dabble in the gray, aren't they? They force you to think, well, actually, there may be not a straightforward answer here. And what I've just riffing off of that, what I've noticed, because this is the 12th interview I've done with participants on the course, and it's been really interesting to hear how everybody's perspective has been, you know, slightly different. Themes come through, there's principles that come through, but I've been learning something from every single person. So even just the concepts that you get diversity and you get different ways of thinking, and therefore you are able to learn. Jonathan, you've been involved in governance for a while now. (laughs) I'm just curious if there's any trends that that are on your radar. We've already touched on some in the interview, but just thinking, is there anything else for our listeners that it's kind of on your radar, something that's coming or a trend that might be helpful for them to be aware of as well. Look, I'm not going to say anything profound here. Certainly cybersecurity has become a bigger issue. Firms are getting publicized uh, interruption in service. And I think the problems become becoming more rather than less pervasive. So certainly cybersecurity is one trend that is taking more rather than less of the board's time. Um, And I also just think in the last three to four years, I'm not going to use the word unprecedented, but the pace of change and the challenge of forecasting a firm or a nonprofit's revenues and expenses has become a bit more challenging. We have had the most significant pandemic in 100 years and now the most significant inflation in 40 years. So the volatility and the challenge of overseeing a company or a nonprofit has become a bit more challenging. Well, thank you for that. There, those are definitely trends that are impacting every board, no matter the size or the organization. Yeah. 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 And, and Jonathan, just thinking about uh, as we draw to a close, is there any 
wisdom or encouragement that you can give to the listeners, possibly wrapped in as a gift, but in the core of it, there's a challenge for other directors. Yeah. Is mm. there anything that's helped you in, you know, that you wish that you'd known at the start of your governance career? So the analogy that I give with a, a director is being a good director is a little bit like being a good school teacher in that your fingerprints, there's, there won't be a book written where, where they say, oh, this director was highly impactful in creating a strategy change that saved the company or enhanced the company's outlook, created protected employment for its employees and, or increased employment or improved the shareholder return. But you do have a big impact. Just like if we think back to our secondary school um, training, the best teachers had quite a big impact on us. And so being a, an effective director creates, for me, a lot of satisfaction because of the high level of impact. But it's not an easy job. You have to work very hard to be a good director. The term oversight indicates, so oh, you know, once a month you can focus in on how a company's doing, but I think about my companies all the time and being asked for advice much more frequently than once a month. I mean, as the chair of the board, um, the CEO, CEO and I talk on advisory things. I'm not trying to be a micromanager, just on advisory things three to four times a week as an example. So yeah, that would be my gift and challenge. That's really good. And in a way, it gets at another principle underlying it, which is that sometimes the things you do won't ever become public or celebrated yeah. as a headline. Yeah, that's what I was trying to get at. Yeah. 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 But but actually, it's it's important work. It's, it's important to do. And for me, a, a quote that has been really helpful is something that Robert yeah. Louis Stevenson said, and that cool. was, don't judge each day by the harvest you reap but by the seeds that you plant. Uh -huh. And for me, that's been a really liberating thing because I'm not going to see the immediate outcome of the work that I'm doing today, but maybe a decade later, maybe two decades, that will be something that, you know, there is actually impact that's being had. So it's an encouragement yeah. to all of us, really. Can I read you um, a poem that I just read the other night? It was from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. But he was at his 50th anniversary at Bowdoin. So, you know, he's what, 72, early 70s at this point. The night hath not yet come. We are not quite cut off from labor by the failing light. For age is, an, is opportunity no less than youth itself, though in another dress. As the evening twilight fades away, the sky is filled with stars invisible by day. That was really beautiful. Sort of the idea of age is that it's different than youth, but there's insights and you can see these stars, you know, wisdom that you don't see um, as a younger person necessarily. Wow. So. That's really great. Well, we, we haven't had a poem read on the podcast before, so that's a first. <laughs> 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 I like it though. And I like, I like, again, this whole talk has been great because it's getting a little bit deeper with a director, yeah. finding out a bit more about their motivations, what they do and why. And I completely agree with you. You know, I, I'm in kind of the middle of my career, but it's definitely a different 
approach to what I'm doing compared to when yeah. I started my career. I think that's good as you grow and get older. Let's be honest, we're not mm. all going to be here forever. How yeah. can we use our skills and our talents in a way that yeah. does generate and, and give back in some way? Well, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate yeah. it. Thanks so much, Stephen, and have a good rest of your day. This is Stephen Moe, and you've been listening to Board Matters, presented by the Institute of Directors, the professional body for directors in Aotearoa, New Zealand. If you enjoyed this episode and you're keen to listen to more, then why not subscribe, leave a rating, and check out some of the other episodes in this series. Thanks for listening. Ka kite anō.